630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hour 2 of 630 Chad Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins for the rest of tonight. And tomorrow, Reed will be back on Monday. And we have a, a quiet uh, period in sports right now because of uh, players sitting down and not playing games to uh, protest against the uh, shooting of Jacob Blake on the weekend and racial and social injustice as a whole. So we do not have games between the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders tonight in Toronto, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks here in Edmonton. And then tomorrow uh, here in Edmonton, the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins. So pick things up on Saturday. Don't have the schedule yet. Uh, there was some talk that uh, the league would release a revised schedule uh, tonight. Haven't seen it quite yet, but uh, quite often they kind of wait until it gets a little bit later um, in the in the evening before that happens. But uh, we played you clips in the first hour. Ryan Reeves of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Nazem Kadri of the Colorado Avalanche on the uh, reasons for not playing. Uh, Reeves, very strong statement saying thank you to the white NHL players for coming alongside the black NHL players and just having a unified front uh, on this issue of racial and social injustice. And uh, out in Toronto, the players uh, show the solidarity as well as Adeno Chara of the Boston Bruins talking about the fact that the NHL players support their NBA brethren. We are obviously united and we support uh, the stand that uh, uh, other major uh, leagues did. And and, uh, obviously we, we thought it was the right thing to do for us to take the stand. So pretty powerful day for sure. And uh, to talk more about it, talk about the uh, from this from the Dallas Stars perspective and talk about the Stars Av series a little bit later on from the Athletic. It's Sean Shapiro. Uh, Sean, thanks. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Welcome to Inside Sports. How are you? I'm doing well tonight. How about yourself? I'm great. Now, are you in uh, the bubble here in Edmonton? So, no, we are not. I'm not in the bubble. I've been working from the, uh, the home office back in Dallas. Um, one of those uh, decisions kind of financially work-wise with all, with all of the access being via zoom and being an american who would have to go through a quarantine it uh yeah. didn't make as much sense for me to be away from the family too for an additional 14 days for the quarantine so been watching working through yeah. zoom and, and watching games on tv like the rest of the world yeah for sure and uh, man the rest of the world the, the whole world uh, especially here in north america it's been uh, quite the two days uh before we talk about last night or yesterday in the national hockey league what did you make of uh the show of solidarity that we saw today uh, i think it was pretty powerful here in edmonton just to, i haven't seen the video in toronto at all i mm-hmm. uh, don't know what exactly they did but to have all the teams coming together uh in in one room and uh speak on this issue and, and why they're postponing games for a couple of days what, what'd you make of it yeah it was it was one of those things where i think the nhl put itself in a bad spot by not doing anything last night and i think the league and the players it it falls on both the league and the players where the the league put it on the players and the players were kind of put in a a bad kind of a weird spot but really it still didn't do anything and we saw these player-led initiatives and other things and um i think even even with what happened last night and kind of kind of a bit of the black eye that gave hockey i think they did a pretty good job of coming back tonight to come together show the solidarity to talk about it as a group i thought in particular i thought the showing in edmonton was very strong where 
it was it wasn't just one representative from each team sitting at a at a podium. It was you saw players from all four teams still in the Western Bubble in the background coming in and standing together and kind of talking more about what this all means and and and, and saying a lot of the right things. Now, I thought it was a really I thought it was impressive. I thought the NHL kind of and the NHL and the player more so the players than the league itself. The players kind of rescued a black eye situation and made it as good as they could. And now it's the next step is what actual action and how they build upon it, in my view, because they said all the right things tonight. They did all the right things. And now the key is to actually deliver on that because saying the yeah. right things and delivering on that are two different things. But tonight was a very good, I don't want to say first step, but a very good step in the right direction. <laughs> And it had to be the players that are leading this as well. I mean, the NHL can't just step in and mandate that, okay, no one no one can play now because of, even though it, it, it's, it's the right decision by many people, it, it wouldn't seem as authentic if it wasn't a, a player decision. 100%. No, this had to be, this is something that would have had to be player-led. It had to be player-driven. Um, the reason we saw the power of, with the NBA protests and what's working with the NBA, the WNBA, and the other sports leagues is that the players have taken their power and their platform and said, okay, this is something we're going to use to, to work on change and, and create and make a difference. And if it was just the league coming out and saying something or doing something, that wouldn't have the same impact. This, to me, was this doesn't work and it doesn't have the, it's not as impactful without the players really being the ones to come forward and say enough's enough. We're going to, we're going to use our platform to make a difference. Sean Shapiro joins us from uh, uh, the, uh, from Dallas. He's the Dallas stars writer for the athletic here on six thirty. Chad inside sports. Uh, in the last hour, Sean, I played a comment from Jason Dickinson, who is the uh, NHLPA rep for the stars and, uh, you know, I, I referenced the fact that he and Tyler Sagan both knelt with Ryan Reeves uh, in the uh, in the seating round to uh, to show their support for Black Lives Matter and, and racial and social injustice. And I thought Jason Dickinson spoke very honestly about, you know, unlike people who are from the States or like the NBA or Major League Baseball, we have a lot of Canadians. And yes, we have a lot of white Canadians that are playing in this league that maybe don't quite understand um, the issues that black people face and, and the racial injustice. I, I thought it was a very good comment. And I thought, you know, and some people are taking that as well. Hey, it's just a bunch of white, rich Canadians, right? They, what would they care about racism? And I said, well, uh, you know, that's probably true with some, I don't think the majority would feel that way, but I, I thought Jason Dickinson really spoke very honestly and, and, and from the heart. What did you make of his uh, his comments about ultimately the reasons for for playing? Yeah, I give, I mean, and Jason is someone who has, is covering the stars and having got to know him quite rather well. That was, I can say, that was, that was him speaking from the heart. That was him speaking passionately and what, what he believes and everything like that. Well, there was no lip service there or whatever. Um, I think it was it's 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 an interesting it's certainly an interesting dynamic. I think one of the things that he and Tyler Sagan went through and not not this is not to belittle anything else or anywhere else, but they knelt for when when they knelt for the round robin game with Ryan Reeves and Robin Leonard, they got the blowback of well, you're a Canadian. They got they got the blowback in multiple ways. They got blowback of hey, 
you're Canadian, why are you commenting on this American thing? Or, or, or it's one of those things. Or they're they got the kind of why are you kneeling during the Canadian anthem? And I, I think they got a bit of the blowback for all of that. And I think kind of that experience was coming to Jason Dickinson's mind at the same time, where the the NHL is not as much of it, it's it's what only thirty I don't know the number exactly it's just Tom had but it's only what thirty percent American something like that now so mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's a league where we talk a lot of these things and racism happens all over the world but a lot of these things and a lot in the Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that. It's more so of right now we're talking about more of an American issue. We're talking about a world issue, but we're talking about more so of an American issue. And so he, Jason brought up a very good point that we need to consider, and it's also one of the reasons that it also kind of goes into the fact of accepting, kind of as a society, accepting it's okay for them to use their platform that way. And I'm not saying this from my perspective, but I think overall we got way too much of there's way too much of the reaction of, oh, you're a Canadian, why are you commenting on this? It shouldn't matter that that he's a Canadian, that he's commenting on this. It shouldn't matter that he and Ryan Reeves and, and Tyler Sagan are Canadian and Robin Leonard is Swedish and that they know. It, should, it shouldn't matter, but it becomes this, this thing of, well, it's, it's, not, it's not your country, but then at the same time we ask for players to be less cliche and more open about things. We can't have it both ways. You yeah. have to, like, I, I think Jason's Point, Jason's comments come from a point of it's they were fair, and they also come from a point of we ask players to act one way, and then we also ask them to act the other way. And we ask these two different extremes that can't really coexist. We have to realize that if you want players to be themselves and care about things and everything like that, you have to accept that it's okay for them to to speak their mind on things like they do in the NBA and things like that. And it doesn't have to necessarily matter what your passport says. And so. I give Dickinson a credit credit for bringing that up, and I think it's also kind of it also brings source of some frustration too, because that's just it's one of the other hurdles that the NHL has to get over. Of yeah, it's okay for it's okay for an international league to talk about these things because racism is an international issue, but it's and it's not blaming just blaming America. They're trying to tackle a world subject in this, but. You're focusing on the country you're in, even where you play, technically. I know they're in Edmonton, but where you, the Stars play in Dallas. Jason Dickinson lives in the United States, things like that. Sean Soprano joins us, uh, Dallas Stars writer for The Athletic here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Well, let's talk about the Stars on the ice. I mean, I, I can't believe this was a group that were 12 seconds away from being down 3-1 to the Calgary Flames in a series where they were, in my view, far and away the better team, even though Cam Talbot stole a couple of games from the Stars. And uh, now up 2-1 on the Colorado Avalanche, and that was a wild game yesterday where the Avs found a way to erase a two-goal deficit and win by two goals. These Stars have been fun to watch. Yeah, this Stars team, it's been a complete kind of 360 from what they were before the stoppage and even through the round robin. I mean, the Stars weren't scoring goals. They were they were, they were, they were struggling mightily offensively. They were the second lowest scoring team headed into the bubble originally of the 24 teams, the lowest scoring team remaining when you went to the first round. And now they're scoring five goals a game, seven goals a game. Even in the loss, they scored four goals. I mean, it's been a complete switch, and it's been it's it's been exciting, fun hockey to watch. And it's it's kind of funny because you look at what the stars were for most of the season, and for 
for much of the regular season, they were the team that if they were winning, they were winning 2-1, to 3-2. to two. They were grinding games out. And they're still grinding games out a little bit in the third period. But overall, they're, they're introduced. It's been a much more exciting overall game of they're scoring goals and, and, and they're getting a little bit, they're opening it up a little bit, which has led to a little bit more leaky defense, and, and, which is kind of more fun for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they, they've been fun. And, uh, you know, I think this has been the playoff for young defensemen, too. And, you know, Kale McCarr of the, of the Avalanche and Quinn Hughes of the uh, Vancouver Canucks and uh, Miro Heiskanen is just a, a wonderful player to watch for the Stars. Yeah, I mean, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the joys of covering the Stars is getting to watch Heiskanen on 82 games a year in the regular season and however long <laughs> the playoffs go because he is, he, he's, he's amazing to watch. And he is someone who... You see, um, Stars GM Jim Nellis compared him to, to Nick Lidstrom before, and that's such a high, lofty comparison. And it's, it's not really fair to ever compare somebody to one of the top two, three greatest defensemen of all time. But in many ways, uh, if you look at what Nick Lidstrom did with the Red Wings, where he would be so, so perfect in so many facets of the game on every, every night. And that's what, that's what Heishkinen is already as a 21 year old look at his skating, you look at his defensive coverage, you look at all these little things, and then he's got that ability to get up and down the ice to be the guy to lead the, the rush and then the first guy back on the on, on the back check because of how, how well he skates it. He is, he's phenomenal watching and I think he's just in this playoffs, in this postseason with kind of the more hyper-focus on everything because what else are people going to do but watch sports? He is—he's grabbing, he's grabbing more of that attention that he really deserves, and he probably would have, probably would have had it. Like, if he hadn't played, and as much as I—and this is no disrespect to the market I covered—but if he hadn't played in Dallas, if he had played in a, in a more traditional, hockey market where people that was that was more highly televised, he wouldn't—he wouldn't have been—he would have—he wouldn't not have been outside the top three for the Calder last year. He would have been in that conversation. Pedersen still still won it, but he would have been much closer to actually being in that runner-up and being in that conversation. Now he's getting more to that conversation because of what he's doing in this postseason. Sean, appreciate your perspective tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, enjoy the rest of the postseason, okay? Yep, thanks for having me. Have a good night. You too. Sean Shapiro, Dallas Stars writer for The Athletic. The uh, Stars and Avalanche. It's 2-1 in favor of the Stars, who were uh, look, looked like they were going to take the 3-0 stranglehold on the Avalanche, and the Avs fought back. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Uh, the Avs, the first team in Stanley Cup playoff history to blow a two-goal lead and yet win the game by two goals. What a wild series it's been. opt-outs in the Canadian Football League continuing and another opt-out for the double E football team that is Javon Santos Knox has been released only played in uh, five total games last year he had some uh, he had some injury troubles he broke his ankle if you remember in 2018 the final regular season game here in uh, in Edmonton uh, the Bombers and the Eskimos uh 
the Bombers were going to the playoffs. The Eskimos were not. And Javon Santos Knox uh, broke his ankle. And he was going to go to the NFL that year. But because of the injury, he got derailed. He signed with the uh, with the double E football team uh, that year and in 2019. Went to training camp and re-aggravated the ankle injury. And uh, it really derailed his uh, his season. So he finally got in late in the year and played three regular season games and played the two playoff games. And just pulling up the stats, 13 defensive tackles, one sack, one special teams tackle. So a uh, pretty good player when he was healthy, but we didn't see him very much. So he's the second member of the double E football team to opt out. Ricky Collins jr. 1000 yard receiver a year ago. He is also uh, heading to the NFL looking for work as well. So in total, there's been 36 opt outs in the Canadian football league and uh, players have until Monday to opt out of their current deals, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, a 2020, 2021 deal, or sorry, a 2021 or 2022 pending free agent. Mm. Um, you have uh, you have that opportunity until Monday. So Dave, opt out. quick question yes. for you. Is that more or less uh, the number that you'd figure would have opt out when given the option once this was all you know, it, it was hard to kind of predict this. Because there's a lot of players that, quite honestly, I haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because a lot of players in this league, I haven't heard of a lot of them because uh, there's a lot of names I'm seeing on the opt-outs that I had no idea they were even in the league, right? So, um, but, I mean, 36 is a lot. 36, that's almost, you know, you're 10 away from a full, you know, active roster. Right. So, you know, and I, I think... Uh, I, I think the number isn't all that surprising. Like I said, I, I have to do the, the count uh, next week, but I said, you know, I, I would see a quarter of the league possibly uh, opting out. And I think we're kind of trending in that direction unless we get a big slew of uh, opt outs, you know, in the next few days here. So we'll see what happens. So there you go. That's mm-hmm. my answer. All right. After the news break, we'll be joined by Talal al Alouid. He's uh, a former youth coach of Alfonso Davies, who is a superstar on the world soccer scene. Oh, and he's a Canadian. Welcome back. Or we'll uh, do that. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins' final half hour of this Thursday evening edition of Inside Sports. And again, tomorrow, Reed is back on Monday. No NHL games today. No NHL games tomorrow as the players are postponing those games and uh, in support of racial and social injustice. So uh, those games will be uh, rescheduled for Saturday and uh, don't know how many games there's been talk that there might be three games Saturday and maybe a couple on Sunday or there might be three and three. I don't, I'm not sure how it's going to work, but uh, tonight was supposed to be the uh, Canucks and Knights and in Toronto was supposed to be the Islanders and the Flyers tomorrow. Uh, the games between the Stars and Avs and Bruins and Lightning have been postponed as well. Seven MLB games postponed, including the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, and a powerful display in New York as the Mets and Marlins took to the field, had a moment of silence, and they walked off. Orioles and Rays also postponed. D-backs and Rockies, uh, Rangers, Athletics, Phillies, and uh, Nationals as well. The uh, 
Indianapolis Colts, New York Jets, uh, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, uh, Washington football team, Tennessee Titans, Arizona Cardinals among the teams in the NFL that decided not to practice today. The Detroit Lions uh, made that gesture a couple days ago. And the uh, playoff games uh, that were scheduled in the Orlando bubble today, including the uh, Raptors-Celtics game, one of their second-round series have been postponed. And word is now coming out from Orlando that uh, the games will be postponed again tomorrow. They will pick things up on Saturday. Last weekend, what a moment for Byron Munich and what a moment for a young man who is uh, is, is from this city uh, here in Edmonton. Byron Munich wins the Champions League. Alfonso Davies on that team. Yeah, I mean, it feels good. It feels like I'm top of the world. Um, You know, the moments like these you dream of as a kid and honestly can't believe as a footballer, you know, winning Champions League um, is everything for, you know, club level. So I'm happy that we can do it. And I'm happy that you know I'm part of the squad that can do it as well. It's been a good season, you know, all around. Um, at first, we didn't start the season so well, but you know, um, it's how you you know it's how you finish, not how you start. You know what I'm saying? And Alfonso Davies, of course, had a message for his homeland, for for fellow Canadians. I just want to say thank you guys for supporting me back home. Um, I don't know this is for you guys, I guess. I mean, you know, who who would I ever thought a guy from you know Canada? Playing at a club like Bayern Munich and winning Champions League, you know, you never could have guessed it. Um, I think uh, two two years ago, if someone told me this, I'd be like, yeah, you're, you're lying. But, I mean, dreams do come true. And I just want to say thank you, everyone, for supporting me back home. So many people happy for Alfonso Davies in this city, including this man, our next guest here on 630 Chet Inside Sports, uh, Talal El Awid, who was a former youth coach of Alfonso. Talal, welcome to Inside Sports. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on the show. I, I, you know, I've been wanting to do this all week. It's been, uh, as you know, quite the week, but uh, I'm glad we get to talk about this. Uh, hearing Alfonso, I mean, it, it's just so much fun to hear this young man with his youthful enthusiasm and just just, just the excitement that emanates from Alfonso. Uh, you can hear it in those two clips for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so tell me about your history with uh, with Alfonso. You know, I said I introduced you as his former youth coach. Uh, when did you coach Alfonso? Um, I started coaching Alfonso would have been about uh, when he was 12. Um, I kind of came into the fold uh, with his current agent, Nick. Uh, started, he brought me on to, to help coach the team with him. Um, and it really started off as a as a regular kind of player-coach relationship and uh, grew slowly into kind of advising and mentoring more than just the soccer aspect of it and um, mm-hmm. eventually blossomed into what it is now. And, and I would say that we're still fairly close friends. Tell me about the, that first day you, you met Alfonso and, and what was the, uh, the first impression of this uh, young 12-year-old kid who had all kinds of soccer talent? Yeah, funny enough, the the first time I ever met him was uh, coaching against him. Um, I had just moved to to Edmonton from Halifax and got into the coaching scene here. And uh, first game of the season, we're playing his team. And uh, there's this kid that's, uh, you know, got a huge smile on his face and and seemed to be enjoying the game a bit more than everybody else. But uh, (laughs) you could tell he was special. You could tell he was doing things that... uh, uh, I I personally haven't seen too many kids his age do, uh, especially in Canada where 
you know, you're primarily a, a hockey country, and and soccer is yeah. uh, is seen as a as a pastime or a summer sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so that was my first impression of him. And about six months later, I I ended up being one of his coaches and uh, getting to know him. He he was a very special kid off the field. Just enjoyed life, uh, not just soccer. Um, didn't take things for granted and and uh, saw the positives out of out of everything that he did or everything that he went through. You mentioned about the soccer ability, um, which I'm sure jumped off the page and, and you've, you've basically have said that, that, you know, his soccer ability speaks for itself. You talked about you wanted to work with him away from the pitch about the other areas of uh, developing him as a as a as a player, as a person. Uh, going through those preteen years and going through the teen years. Uh, tell me about the importance of that, because I think some coaches focus only on the skill and don't focus on the fact that when you're dealing with, with kids, that you it, there's so much more responsibility as a coach than just honing a kid's skill to become better on whatever playing surface. You're, you're, there's so much else involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the the biggest influence I would say in his life is is Nick Hosey, his, his agent, who um, was was a secondary father figure to him. But uh, right. I'll go ahead and say that uh, there was a lot of people that contributed to his off the field, and and I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and take all the credit, but certain conversations that you have with him, recognizing that he has a special ability and. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that, yeah, we knew he was going to be playing for Bayern Munich at 19, uh, <laughs> but we knew he would have a, a very successful professional career if he stuck on the right path. And so the importance of, of uh, especially as he got a little bit older into his teen years and, and was in Vancouver, uh, you know, regular check-ins and making sure that, you know, as kids start going into to parties and the importance of staying away from uh, the different vices that are presented at those things and the importance of uh, how to handle himself on, on social media, on the Instagrams and Twitters and Facebooks and um, giving examples of why and, and certain examples of things that have failed. Um, telling him to continue to stay humble and, and stick to his roots was very important. Very easy at that age for a kid that that develops into, you know, a, a local kind of uh, superstar in, in the soccer scene for kids around his age, and, and everybody wants to be his friend, and he's a popular guy, to let it get to his head a bit. And so to continue to try and, and bring him back down, and um, like I said, there was a lot of people that contributed to that. Um, Marco Bazio, one of his, his teachers at, at St. Nick's, uh, and his academy advisor at St. Nick's was the person that was with him all day, every day during the school year. And we kind of, uh, myself and Nick, spent the, the evenings and the summers on the soccer field. And it, it took more than just one person, but uh, recognizing that, that that ability and that skill, and I've seen it coming up where there were players that were just as talented at that age, um, that let it all go to waste because of uh, one mistake that could have been prevented. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, his his willingness to give back to the community, 
I mean, it, you know, you see old footage of, uh, or even recent footage of him just, you know, working at clinics and working with young kids. I mean, it, it, it's obviously something that, that is a passion for him as well to give back. Yeah, I, I can personally speak to that. So uh, myself and a couple of, of friends of mine, we, we run a, a local soccer academy called BTV Soccer Academy. And um, he approached us a few years ago and had the conversation of uh, wanting to do something with us, knowing that we spent a lot of time working with kids uh, that are from the same neighborhood that he grew up in. Uh, same background, a lot of refugee status, uh, immigrant children, uh, a lot of kids with parents working multiple jobs and shift work, and that's something that his parents did. And he wanted to figure out a way to give back, to continue to help these kids kind of uh, figure out or, or recognize that they can dream bigger than just kind of being in, in the box that a lot of times they're placed in. And uh, he, every time he's back, he shows up to our academy sessions with the kids. Um, he donates not only his time, but, but resources as well. He'll, he sent us over 150 soccer balls over the last year and a half. He sent us uh, shirts, Nike shirts for the kids. Um, he, he'll call, FaceTime the, the young guys and encourage them and tell them to continue to push forward. And, um, again, I think that's a big testament to the way his parents have raised him of never forgetting where he came from. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, finally, and, and you mentioned this is a, obviously hockey is, is, it's a hockey mad nation uh, here in Canada, but Canada does support um, a lot of other sports and maybe not, an, uh, you know, not consistently, but, you know, you think about the Olympics and you think about, the world cup stage and with the, with the women's national soccer team, obviously that's, and we just had a, you know, five years ago, we had the women's world championships uh, and Edmonton was a host city, but everyone knows the name, I think in sport, in the sports realm, Christine St. Clair. And to me, I think Alfonso Davies is entering that realm as well, that he's, he's going to carry the flag for the men's program. And I love the fact that he, he talked about, I can't wait to, to, to start, the process to qualify for 2022 how far can he take this and it's not just him but how far can he take this program here in canada from uh from your point of view and and you know make the canadian soccer scene on the men's side you know kind of where we've seen the women yeah i think you know having having been raised in canada you know i come from immigrant parents but i've spent my entire life here um i think Canadians, regardless of sport, will always support proud Canadians. Uh, and Alfonso is a, is a very, very proud Canadian. And he, mm -hmm. he takes pride in, in having that maple leaf on his chest when he steps onto the field. Uh, he wants, uh, you know, we've, we've chatted about it where, you know, he, he aims to and looks up to a person like a Christine Sinclair who's put the woman's game on the map globally and not just in Canada. And, um, I think I think him, along with a lot of the new younger generation going into the national team fold, are very very proud to be Canadian soccer players. And I think that's the first wave of hopefully many that follow that suit. And I think, you know, I'm I'm very excited. It's it's tough to say, but I haven't been excited about the men's program in quite some time. Um, and there's there's a lot of talent coming through the ranks, and I think it takes 
that one player to break through uh, like a Christine mm-hmm. Sinclair. And, you know, you've got an Alfonso right now. You've got a Jonathan David as well. And um, as young as they are, they, they have quite a bit of weight on their shoulders. But, um, you know, knowing a guy like Alfonso personally, he's I think he's more than capable and, and willing to kind of carry that weight and open the door for many others. And, you know, I, I think that the men's national team is a team that, will be if things continue to progress the way they are, especially with the younger generations coming through. Uh, a, a nation that is at many World Cups going forward. Hope so. Absolutely. And it's nice to have Alfonso, who has represented Edmonton and Canada so well, even on the international stage. And a uh, great moment for him uh, winning the, the Champions League with Bayern Munich. Talal, it was great to uh, talk with you tonight and uh, get your point of, point of view and perspective on Alfonso on a, on a great kid. And uh, enjoy your, the rest of your evening and uh, take care, okay? And uh, hope to have you on again soon. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That is Talal Al-Awid, former youth coach of Alfonso Davies. Uh, final segment coming up. When we come back, we'll talk about a cool thing that uh, you, the hockey fan, can do just outside the bubble near Rogers Place. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a moment. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. segment of 632 inside sports we know the the bubble will be quiet for the next couple of days and of course the bubble's getting quieter because there's only four teams left here in Edmonton but uh, there's a chance for you to kind of experience something cool downtown that's near the bubble to talk about it Nick Lilly executive director of the downtown business association Nick nice to have you on the show how you doing tonight I'm doing well thanks for having me yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, talk about this uh, this cool concept, this uh, this this big playoff bracket that has shown up in front of City Hall. Yeah, well, we were delighted to be able to partner with Explore Edmonton uh, to try and do something really cool in, in downtown Edmonton. Obviously, you know the city was rewarded for all its great work and and being a safe location uh, to host uh, Hub City and, and hockey playoffs, and so. The reality is COVID has sort of limited the ability of, of some of us to participate in the ways we traditionally do in celebrating the, the hockey run. Uh, what we wanted to do together was to give a bit of a symbol of the playoffs uh, in downtown Edmonton and a chance for people to come down and take some photos on this massive NHL playoff bracket that we have just in front of City Hall. And so the concept is basically we've got you know, your typical bracket with uh, initially 16 teams, um, on, eight on each side. And then as the playoffs progress, we'll add logos uh, to sort of suggest, okay, this is who's won, this is how it's progressing, all the way up until the finals. Well, you'll see the logos of the final teams uh, for, for the playoffs. So I think it's a great opportunity for people who are, are engaged in the playoffs to come down and check it out and and hopefully bring a little bit of enthusiasm and energy back to the playoff hunt. Yeah, no, no question. And uh, I think that's pretty cool with the logos uh, that'll be added. So, I mean, this is this this is a bracket that's not going to sit there. I love that. It's going to be kind of interactive for people. Absolutely. So we just put on the second round of, of winners this week. And then uh, as we progress to round three, the logos are actually going to get bigger. 
And then with the finals, the two uh, teams going head-to-head, you'll see them as big as they get. Uh, complimented with that, if you haven't seen it yet, you've got a huge NHL playoffs logo up at the top of the bracket, as well as an even bigger a welcome logo, where we, we spelled welcome out in, in English, French, and Cree. And so, you know, it's really a, an opportunity to highlight Edmonton and, and I think downtown Edmonton in particular as a welcoming place, a multicultural place that really, you know, loves the, the hockey run and, and wants to give any opportunity that we can to, to support those fans who want to come out and enjoy it. So uh, definitely helping, encouraging people to come experience the bracket. Uh, do so safely if it's from social distance, but then take some time and, and come over to our downtown businesses and watch a game on a patio. Very cool. And uh, hey, the, the weather's been pretty good lately. Uh, I know we've had the odd pop-up thunderstorm uh, in the afternoon, but uh, I mean, if you want to check out a hockey game, uh, you know, on a patio, it, it's still a, it's still pretty nice uh, opportunity to do that. Absolutely. We've got a couple of uh, incredible spots. Uh, Campio Brewing in particular has basically set up a shop on, on their parking lot uh, adjacent to their building and put in a couple of huge screens and uh, got everything structured out in a really safe, uh, socially distanced way. Uh, we've got numerous different patios sort of set up like that around downtown. So I think at any given time, you've got lots of opportunity to come down and and engage in, in a safe fashion to enjoy uh, the playoff run. Right on, Nick. Really appreciate your time. Uh, pretty cool stuff with the uh, with the playoff bracket. And uh, yeah, thanks thanks for your time. And uh, you know, all uh, all the the best uh, with uh, with the bubble here. And uh, yeah, let's hope we see a a nice fall, a nice September, so people can enjoy those patios as well. Uh, go check out the bracket and go go watch the playoffs on a patio as well. That that would be great. You bet. Well, thanks for having me, and I hope to see everybody downtown uh, watching the game and enjoying uh, the community. You betcha. That's Nick Nick Lilly, the executive director of the Downtown Business Association. So no NHL games tonight. They will resume on Saturday. Still awaiting word on the schedule. We should have that uh, for sure by the time we hit the airwaves tomorrow. Don't forget uh, forget that uh, noon to 2, Brendan Escott, guest host for Oilers Now right here on 6.30 Chet. Oh, it's been an interesting couple of days, but a very important couple of days. Not an easy subject to tackle, and uh, we'll tackle a little bit more tomorrow night on Inside Sports and, and much, much more. For studio producer Kellen Kennedy, my name is Dave Campbell, and for Reed Wilkins this week, have yourself a good evening. Adler is up next. Time for me to head upstairs. It's been kind of loud up there tonight, so I'm going to go uh, rescue my wife from my kids, tuck them into bed, and kiss them goodnight. Have a good evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.